On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll look at the fallout from a bad day for injuries. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, May 4th. I'm Al Melkier. I am here with Derek Van Riper and DVR. We have not one, but two really, really bad injury stories to talk about. And granted, by the time everybody's listening to this, this is not exactly fresh news, but a lot to talk about here. So let's go right to them. Uh, Luis Robert, he is going to miss a minimum of three months. All the reports were saying three to four months and could be possibly even longer than that. So maybe he doesn't come back this year. Maybe he does. Uh, he has a full tear in his hip flexor. So uh, do, do you stash him uh, given the possibility that maybe he does come back for a few weeks at the end? I think it's very similar to the situation the White Sox were dealing with in spring training with the Eloy Jimenez injury. And they get to kind of follow suit there. If you have a few IL spots, Luis Roberts, the kind of player that, if you're not already using those for long-term stashes, you could probably justify holding on to them. If you're in a league like the NFBC or TGFBI or some kind of league where you don't have IL spots, you probably have to let him go in most mixed league redraft situations. Maybe in an AL-only league, you can justify using one of your reserve spots to hold on to him there. Uh, really unfortunate, though, and the White Sox are one of those teams that they're absolutely on the rise. You had to love what they were doing, kind of pushing all their chips in to make a run at the postseason in 2021, they don't have the depth of a team like the Dodgers or the Yankees or those perennial contenders just yet. So they're really being tested early on, and I'm really not sure what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to wait it out and see if they can stay afloat. If they stay in the AL Central race, we get to June or July, they could be aggressive and add a couple of players to fill these voids. Maybe they sort of evaluate what's coming up here in the next few weeks and say, is this really our year or are we still a year away just based on losing two key players now for significant periods of time? Yeah, well, and we talked about potential replacements on the Monday show. And so there was a report from Scott Merkin on MLB.com, and he said that Larry Garcia and uh, Billy Hamilton would get the first shot to replace Robert. Not surprising at all, really, given what their roster options are. But one player that we didn't discuss was the prospect Luis Gonzalez. And Merkin said that he could be uh, a replacement eventually. Didn't cite him as one of the players that would get the first crack at it, but maybe not long before we see Gonzalez. So um, I'm not sure how much appeal there is there. Maybe a, a bit of a stolen base threat with some playing time, but uh, do you think there's any move to be made at this time? Not for most leagues, at least. I, I think the more interesting scenario would be if the White Sox acquired a player who maybe is in a fourth outfielder role on a different team and made that guy an everyday player. I think that would be something that moves the needle for me more than the internal options. All right. And then let's go to the Dodgers. You talked about the Dodgers having depth. They're going to need it because they've lost Dustin May for the year. And then some, he is going to have Tommy John surgery. 
the immediate options that for a team with a lot of depth, of course, um, you know, they don't have as much of that now. Um, Tony Gonsolin was, was going to be part of that depth. David Price was, um, both are on the IL. Gonsolin could be back in about three weeks and it's officially stretched out to be a starter. So I think he's somebody to look at if you have room to stash for a few weeks. But Roberts also said that Trevor Bauer may pitch every fourth day. So DVR, this is a discussion you and I had during spring training. Uh, I think pretty early on when we were trying to speculate how the Dodgers would deal with this rotation. So something that may come to fruition in the short term. Yeah, I'm wondering if they'll do it more than once or twice because the schedule coming up affords them not even needing to have five starters for, I think it's about the next 10 days or so. So if you get through that stretch and Gonsolin's still not quite ready, even for a three or four inning start, maybe that next time through the rotation, Bauer goes on short rest and then Gonsolin comes back and gives you three or four and you kind of turn it over to the bullpen after that. I think the interesting thing here, and this is really unfortunate because Dustin May was pitching so well before getting hurt, Josiah Gray, the top pitching prospect in the Dodgers organization, was the kind of guy that looked like he needed multiple injuries at some point in order to get an opportunity at the big league level. Now that you have a season-ending injury for someone who was really written in ink for this rotation, He's one step closer to getting that opportunity. So while Gonsolin's probably the guy from late May on who's going to take that opportunity, I think you have to now look at Josiah Gray as someone who should be stashed away at least in NL only leagues for now and immediately added to watch lists for mixed leagues in case another injury happens and he gets that opportunity sooner than expected. All right. Yeah, some actionable advice there. Uh, Bryce Harper, there's a possibility he might go on the uh, injured list. He's got a sore wrist, so... That's one to take a look at. And then um, an item that we talked about on Monday's show, that collision between Ian Happ and Nico Horner on Sunday, uh, both are sore uh, or were sore on Monday. I think that's you know certainly the minimum that we could have expected um, in the aftermath of that collision. Uh, we don't really have much more of an update at this point. Both were scheduled to undergo tests on Monday afternoon. So certainly I would think on Tuesday, we'll, we'll know more about the situation for both Happ and Horner. Uh, Mets dealing with some injuries and one of those players, J.D. Davis, with a sprained left middle finger. He is now gone on the injured list. It was Jonathan VR getting the start on Monday at third base. Um, so yeah, VR hasn't really played much, but uh, maybe a little bit of stolen base uh, intrigue uh, while Davis is out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's a good temporary pickup in shallow mixed leagues where he's available and the kind of guy that may have been stashed on benches in deeper mixed leagues who should absolutely be active for the time that Davis is out. All right. And uh, Brandon Nimmo also uh, day-to-day there. So, um, you know, no IL move for him as of yet. Good news for the Brewers. They got both Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain back on Monday. Uh, part of the swap, though, is Keston Hira. Not a big surprise, getting option to the alternate site. Um, I am hanging on to Hira in my 12-teamer DVR. Um, uh, is there anywhere where he should be cut loose? I mean, if you're playing in an 8 or a 10-team mixed league, maybe in a league that shallow where you don't play middles and corners and the benches are small, I think you could justify it there because the threshold when he comes back for him to be productive and to be valuable is pretty high in a league like that. But I think generally, this is why we have reserve spots. It's the what-could-go-right sort of player. Plenty of good big league hitters have spent a few weeks in the minor leagues after arriving, figured some things out, come back, and gone on to be productive. 
I keep thinking back to Michael Conforto a few years ago as one example of this different position, but just a similar guy who really hit everywhere in the minor leagues and even hit initially when he got uh, the call to the Mets. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say this is a you know a long term void that's going to be filled by someone else. I think this is just an opportunity for the Brewers now that they got a few more healthy bats in that lineup to go ahead and try and fix some of the issues that Hira has been dealing with, really going back to the shortened season. Yeah, um, you know, issues with making contact uh, really has been exacerbated this year. But yeah, I think there's just, I mean, this is somebody who, um, you know, with that big range of possibilities could be one of the top second base eligible players. So uh, yeah, I agree with your assessment there. Uh, really needs to be stashed wherever possible. Uh, Hunjin Ryu, he is expected to return after a minimum stay on the IL. He has a strained glute, but uh, he should be back on Thursday starting against Oakland. And going back to Sunday's games, Edwin Diaz left the Mets game in Philadelphia with a sore back. He did uh, pitch in that one, got a couple of outs, but also was charged with three runs. So, you know, with these back issues, um, they they can certainly linger. Is it time at least maybe preemptively to go out and get uh, Trevor May? Um whether you have Diaz or, or even if you don't. Yeah, I think Trevor May stands out to me as the guy that they often use in the eighth inning when they're protecting a lead. They could go committee if Diaz is forced to miss time. But I do think May is a pretty useful staff filler. ERA is under two right now, 14 to two strikeout to walk in nine in the third innings. So he is my preferred option, even if the Mets were to go to a committee at some point. All right, so uh, somebody perhaps to target there, if a handcuff as a handcuff, if if nothing else. So not a big slate on Monday, and a, a slate that got even smaller with a couple of weather uh, postponements. But we did have the debut of Daniel Lynch. A little disappointing, perhaps. Um, actually, you know, looked like it could have been a decent start for him going into the uh, fifth inning, but was charged with a couple of runs there. So the final line not very impressive: three runs over four and two thirds on four hits, four walks, and three strikeouts against Cleveland. Walks were were not really an issue for Lynch in the minors, so. Do you take anything away from this? May have been nervous a little bit. Fastball command was something of a problem for Lynch in his debut. So I'm really curious to see how he fares in another pretty difficult test on Saturday uh, against the White Sox. I think for now, I would look at him as probably more like a fringe top 75 starter. Uh, So rosterable in 12 team leagues, but not necessarily a guy that has to stick. It's kind of a, a wait and see sort of approach with him. Like maybe you picked him up right away when he became eligible over the weekend, but he's not a lock to stay on your roster depending on what happens the next time out. All right. Well, that next one, as you said, will be a good test. So if you've got them already, keep them stashed maybe for one more and, and see how that goes. And maybe the same thing for Kenta Maeda, um, a, a good start against the Rangers. Granted, it's a matchup that you would hope that a starting pitcher would take advantage of, but five and a third scoreless innings, just two hits allowed, two walks, eight big strikeouts for Maeda. Very good to see. The average fastball velocity was back up uh, 91.5 miles an hour um, after a couple starts ago being just under 90. So that's encouraging. 13 swinging strikes uh, on 94 pitches for Maeda. Gets the Tigers next time. So between this performance and then a very, very favorable matchup. Is he somebody to get active uh, this coming Saturday? 
yeah, if you didn't have him active for a home start against the Rangers, I think you may have been overreacting to the start that he's had so far because just about anybody is startable against the Rangers. So uh, I love this week's matchups for Maeda, and there really wasn't much in the underlying numbers that suggested that he had taken a big step back stuff-wise from last season. So he looked like a pretty good early buy low trade target and that window is probably going to slam shut if he comes out and puts up another good line on Saturday. All right. I, when you were talking about people maybe overreacting, my hand was raised. So <laughs> I, in a weekly league with the two step, I did sit my eight. I mean, he's been giving up a lot of homers, uh, not as many uh, bats being missed this year. So I just didn't want to take the chance, even with some really, really favorable matchups. So, um, Guilty is charged. <laughs> uh, about uh, another player here that maybe uh, people are, are starting to overreact to, Francisco Lindor, just a really, really rough start to his tenure as a Met. Um, now, so far, the game is not quite wrapped up yet between the Mets and Cardinals, but he's gotten 0 for 4 with a couple more strikeouts uh, against the Cardinals. Um, he has just one home run this year and three RBIs and only two barrels, hitting a lot of ground balls. Um, I mean, you got to figure he's coming around, but do you have an explanation? Do you have advice for people who maybe after a month are starting to worry a little bit? Yeah. So we talked about him a little bit on rates and barrels on Monday. And a lot of times when a player signs a big contract or goes to a new team, they swing at more pitches outside the strike zone. They're trying to earn every dollar of the new contract or endear themselves to their new teammates and new fan base. And that particular issue is not the problem with Francisco Lindor. So that's kind of surprising. He's actually being more passive in general, swinging less than ever, which might be putting him in some counts that are less than favorable. I think it's just a matter of time before he starts to turn things around. I do think the one thing we concluded on that show was that the expectations of him getting 20-plus steals, those might have to be adjusted in particular because I don't know if the Mets need to be that aggressive on the base pass and having signed that big contract, they may not give him quite as many green lights as he was getting during his time in Cleveland. So, I still think he's a good target right now in trades, but you know maybe you set the ceiling as a, a third round sort of pick instead of a guy that could have been a late first rounder in drafts a few weeks ago. All right, all right. So yeah, just keep keep the faith there. All right, let's look ahead to Tuesday here. Some really interesting streaming options. I'm not sure if we can count Shane McClanahan among them because already he's been picked up in a lot of leagues, but he's far from universally owned. So uh, he's going to be at the Angels. Tough matchup there with no starter yet determined uh, because of uh, Shohei Otani getting uh, skipped on on Monday and that uh, kind of shuffling things. Uh, in addition here, uh, DVR, I'll just read off a few more that people can consider. Uh, Mike Miner versus Cleveland. Cleveland, um, Eric Lauer at Philadelphia, Michael Fulmer at Boston, Jay Happ versus Texas. Oh, and one more, Johan Oviedo, uh, Oviedo excuse me, uh, against the Mets, Jacob deGrom going. So the Mets will not score any runs in that one. <laughs> Which means Oviedo has to pitch reasonably well, I guess, uh, as a result. But uh, Jay Happ kind of stands out to me. Of course, having that matchup against the Rangers is the best of that bunch. McClanahan, if you have him, it's hard not to start him. But I understand if you're in a, a league where you don't have to take both starts, wanting to be careful with the Angels in particular. At the other side of that, Michael Fulmer start is Nick Pavetta going for Boston. I think Pavetta at home against the Tigers is a good enough matchup where I'm willing to take on that skills risk. We've talked about him a lot as a, a two-start pitcher this week. So I definitely like him in that spot against the Tigers. 
All right. Sounds good. Fortunately, we have to wrap this one up. Uh, so uh, thank you for listening to Fantasy Baseball in 15. Uh, if you do have an opportunity to rate and review us uh, on wherever you get your podcast, we really do appreciate that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be back here on Wednesday.